Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition Podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing serial entrepreneurship and creating a YouTube business with Minority Mindset founder, Jaspreet Singh. Jaspreet Singh is our guest today, and he can probably be best described as a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) But uh, a life of entrepreneurship, that wasn't always the plan. Jaspreet was born to immigrant parents, and he grew up bilingual in a traditional Sikh family with a strong expectation that he was going to be a doctor. All that to say, he's not a doctor now, or at least not currently. (laughs) Uh, His YouTube channel, Minority Mindset, has close to 650,000 subscribers. And through Jaspreet's educational and entertaining videos, he is able to share wisdom around personal finance and investing. We're excited to to talk all about entrepreneurship, uh, what it means to have a minority mindset, and then how to go about building a YouTube channel from scratch. So Jaspreet, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And that was a very good introduction. (laughs) (laughs) 
we uh, we do our best. Matt does a good job in formulating the bios. Just Breed, so every uh, we we know you do not drink, but Matt and I we like a craft beer every every once in a while. And so on this episode, we're having an IPA by a local brewery called Three Taverns. And part of the reason that we enjoy a beer is because it, it's this sign of us splurging on something in the here and now, while we're also doing our best to save and invest for the future. Um, and so yeah, I want to know like, is there anything that you like to splurge on in the here and now while you're also handling your money well? You know, right now, at the time of me doing this podcast, I honestly don't spend a lot of money on much. Uh, I'm not traveling because of this pandemic. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not a big person on fancy clothes or all that. But one thing that I do spend money on, that you guys spend money on beer, I would say is food. I am a big mm. foodie. I work out a lot, so I justify my eating habits because <laughs> of those my calories workouts, use. but I love food. It's not how many calories I eat, it's how many calories I burn, right? That's right, that's <laughs> right. I hope. Yeah, and, and uh, wings in particular, right? Is that, that's your, that's your big love? Yeah, I, I, I love, I mean, honestly, anything. Burgers, <laughs> Indian food, Mexican food, Italian food, like, I, I'm uh, anywhere. I love it, man. That's so good. All right, Jesper, before we dive you know, into what Minority Mindset is all about, we, we'd like to talk about your entrepreneurial endeavors, you know, like early on. When you were in high school, you started hosting parties as a side gig. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, did you have experience with uh, event production? No. So it's kind of funny. So I grew up, like you were saying, in a traditional Indian household where when I was in eighth grade, I'll just back up a little bit. I'll show you guys what I mean. My parents were very serious about me becoming a doctor. And so in eighth grade, when everyone's like trying to do social studies and basic math and stuff like that, my parents got me an MCAT tutor, which is somebody (laughs) who gets you ready for medical school. So uh, that's what I was doing in eighth grade. And I had no idea of what business was or what entrepreneurship was. I've always been an entrepreneur. I felt like when I was in elementary school, I was a paper boy. I used to cut people's lawns. But then in high school, I picked up a drum, an Indian drum called the dol. It's like a big, uh, loud drum that nowadays people play at weddings. And I was always a big fan of it because I always really liked Indian music. And so I started playing this drum. I got it from India. And um, I was playing it at an uncle's wedding. I was 13 years old. And the DJ who was DJing was like, hey, Jaspreet, uh, why don't you play with me at someone else's wedding? And I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll pay you $100 or something. I'm like, okay. You know, $13, <laughs> you're 13 years old, $100 is a lot of money. It's a ton so of money. I started doing that when I was like 13, 14. And when I was 16, now I'm in high school, uh, middle junior year or something like that. And the DJ I was working with presented this idea is that, hey, look, there's this new restaurant that's opening up and they are interested in hosting parties there. How would you be interested in hosting teen parties? You invite your class friends and, you know, we can split the costs and kind of make it work. And I was like, okay. Uh, so from there, I started, um, I got into the event planning side of things. I started hosting these teen parties. I was, I didn't have much money, so it was more of the DJ kind of fronting the cost, but I would invite the people. And now we had an event planning business nice. where I would invite my classmates to this restaurant and we would host parties and we would charge them cover. And I didn't think much of it at the time, but when I went to college, that business grew. <laughs> So tell us about that then. How did how did things go down in college? And did you just like, were you finding out at that point in time that you had a bug for entrepreneurship, creating things, running your own business? Yeah, you know, 
I did like, I really enjoyed the entrepreneurship and business side of things. And I started to realize I had this bug and I went to college. So I had no idea what college was supposed to be like in America. I thought people go to college to study and like Friday nights, people would be in the chemistry lab doing <laughs> reactions and studying and doing all this. So I go to college not knowing what to expect and everybody is partying and I am mind blown. Like I don't drink. I'm not too into partying. I liked hosting the parties because I like the business side of it, but I was never into partying. I never liked drinking. Uh, I never got into drinking. And that's when I was like, holy cow, what's going on here? So I needed something to do on Friday nights and I wasn't too interested in going to the parties. So that's what I, at this point I've had a lot of friends in the DJ and kind of the wedding planning and event planning business. And so I was like, you know, why don't I bring this high school teen party business to college? So I started going to the venues and talking to the owners. And long story short, by my sophomore year, I had a contract with almost every club on campus to do parties with them. So we were hosting... In certain venues, we were hosting college nights every Thursday. Other venues, we were doing once a month type of things. Then we got into concerts and shows. And that was kind of like my first real, real business. And it was a big shocker to me because I was making pretty decent money. And I was in school. And I was studying to be a doctor at the time. And I had no idea that you can make money without a degree. Like, this is how kind of naive I was (laughs) where I thought that, okay, The amount of money you make in life is dependent on what degree you get. And uh, so now my mind really opened up because I got into entrepreneurship. I didn't have any like entrepreneur friends or investor friends. And I was making this money. I started reading business books. And that's how I got into investing because uh, this was actually like during the Great Recession. So like the tail end of the Great Recession when real estate prices were dirt cheap. And that's when I started investing in real estate because real estate was so cheap and I had money that I was making. I don't know what to do with it. I was going to buy a car. Um, that was actually, <laughs> you know, we talk about what do you spend money on? When I, if you asked me that question 10 years ago, my answer would have been very different. Uh, <laughs> back when I was in high school and early college, you know, it was all about, okay, I want that new watch. I can't wait till I can buy a Beamer. I can't wait till I, you know, have those flashy <laughs> looking things. And when I started to make real money, I was like, man, I can't wait till I buy a new 3 Series. I want to buy a new Beamer. But uh, I started reading this book, uh, these books about business, and I started like learning more about investing. And I was like, you know what? Instead of buying a car, I'm going to buy a condo. And that's when my mind really opened up and I got into money management and investing and learned more about entrepreneurship. Nice, man. So, so you, yeah, you're making money from the production business basically there in college. And it sounded like you were learning about investing, you know, at the same time while you're, I guess it sounds like from just some different books you're reading. I guess that was around 10 years ago. So do you still own that first uh, investment property today? Has that, has that been a good one for you? Yeah, I do. I do. So that condo, I picked it up for $8,000 and it sounds crazy. It's like $8,000 was not the down payment. That was the actual price of the condo. And to put it in perspective, this was like 2012, 11, 12, something like that. And so it was like, and I'm, I'm based in Michigan. So we were hit really hard by the Great Recession. And a few years prior to me buying this condo, if you look at like the historical records, the previous owner purchased it for $150,000. And because of the recession, the banks sold it for $8,000. So I picked it up for $8,000 and then I rented it out for $600 a month. 
I, I had no idea at the time. I just thought that was normal because I hadn't, you know, I didn't know any real estate investor friends. I just kind of jumped in, not knowing what I was doing. I didn't have anyone to talk to, so I didn't realize that it was this was like a great deal. I just thought that was normal because that was the first time I had experienced real estate. So I still own it, and yeah. So, so just in general, are you a fan of real estate? Is that something that you've continued to pursue, like as you're developing the other businesses, essentially that you have also become interested, like starting up a YouTube channel and stuff like that, which we're going to ask you more about later. But are you are you generally a fan of real estate? Are you doing more of it? And then uh, people that come to to watch your YouTube videos, how do you talk to them about real estate now that you're kind of ten years into the real estate investing game? Yeah, I am definitely a fan of real estate. I am still pretty active in real estate investing. I am always looking for deals. So I'm a big fan of real estate investing. I talk about it all the time on a YouTube channel. Um, I prefer real estate investing over the stock market. I actually just released a video on this not too long ago, but uh, the stock market has been getting a lot of attention recently just because of you know the crash and everything going on. The stock market moves very quickly, right? You can buy and sell a stock in two seconds, which is why you know the stock market moves so much faster than real estate. You can see it go up or down. Real estate is much slower moving. And um, what I'm paying attention to in real estate, this is recorded in 2020, is what's going to happen over the next one and a half, two years when forbearance programs start to really end and the free money goes away and we might if if we're still feeling the effects of this recession how that's going to affect the real estate market so that's something i'm paying attention to something i'm talking about on our youtube channel and our financial newsletter so i am really involved in real estate i'm a big fan of real estate as a long-term investment nice well so jaspreet you know you were on the pre-med track like you mentioned this uh when you went to school and you know you thought you were going to be a, be a doctor based on parental expectations, you know, but now you're basically an online entrepreneur as well as a teacher, real estate owner, an investor. Uh, like, so what happened to cause you to, to make such a drastic shift? You know, was it you realizing that you didn't necessarily need to have a degree, like you mentioned, uh, in order to, to make any money? Is, is that what caused you to kind of change gears there? No. So I, I always thought, okay, you know, I'll become a doctor and I'll just do entrepreneurship after because I'll make my parents happy. I'll become a doctor. Then I'll start a business after that. But towards the end of college, I was like, man, that's a really long journey because it takes like <laughs> 10 years to become a doctor. Seriously. You got medical school, residency, fellowship. And I'm like, you know, maybe that's a little bit too much of a commitment. So that's when I was like, you know, maybe I'll just do more of entrepreneurship. And this was a weird time for me because I started to get really fed up and sick of the event planning business because I don't drink. I don't really like parties. I wasn't really into the scene. I just like the business side of things. And towards the end of college, I was getting read up, really fed up with it because I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was doing it for the money instead of for like my passion. Hmm. And the money was good, but my heart wasn't in it. And so that's when I really started to get more into other things. I got into real estate more heavily. Um, so not just real estate investing. I got my real estate salesperson license. I also got into real estate wholesaling. And then... I started a sock business. So uh, a funny story was I was taking a class on public speaking and I was a little bit of a procrastinator at the time. And we had this project where I was supposed to pitch to the class 
a business idea. So the class was supposed to be like your venture capitalist and you're supposed to pitch an idea to them. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I like business. This will be no problem. I'll come up with it later. And so I kept putting it off, putting it off. And then one day I was late to class like normal. And so I pick up my backpack and it happened to be raining this day. True story. And I'm running to class and on the way to class, I step in a puddle. My foot gets soaked and I get to class I'm like panting right I'm like out of breath I'm late I'm wet and then the teacher comes up to me and she goes just please it's your turn I'm like my turn for what she's like it's your turn to present the business uh, idea and I was like oh my god so now I'm standing in front of the class dripping wet my feet are soaked and I'm trying to come up with a business idea I'm like just breathe think just breathe think just breathe think <laughs> and I don't know where this came from, but out of like nowhere, I had this idea. I was like, okay, what about water-resistant socks? Because my feet were soaking wet and I hate wet socks. <laughs> so off the top of my like tongue, I just like pitched this random water-resistant sock idea to my class and I sit down and I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of a cool idea. So I went home that day and I was like, I wonder if these socks exist because I've never heard of them. So I started doing some research on it and there's like waterproof socks for like hunters and people that are really involved in, you know, the wilderness type stuff. But there were no like water resistant athletic socks and just regular daily wear socks. So then I went on a mission and I created these water resistant socks and ended up going to law school at the same time because, you know, my parents were like, okay, if you don't become a doctor, you got to become an attorney. So I got into law school and I was working on the sock business and I launched the sock business towards the end of my first year in law school. And right before the launch, I was approached by a marketing company who said, hey, Jasprit, you're about to launch this business. How about you hire us to do your marketing and we will make sure you get all these sales and we'll do all this advertising for you. And it was they were, they were asking for quite a bit of money, but I was like, I don't know. I, I think I could do it myself because at this point I thought I had some good marketing experience. And right. they were like, oh, no, don't worry. We have a 100% money back guarantee. Mm. So if you do not love our service, we will give you every penny back, even the money that we put in advertising. And I was like, okay, you know, that's, that's a fair uh, approach. So I gave them the money. And then I remember the very next day. So I gave them the money on one day. And the next day, I started to have this weird feeling in my gut. I was Ugh. in the gym. I remember this. <laughs> I was doing like the, the chest fly. And I just had this weird feeling. I was like, you know, I just, I feel like I can do it better. I don't know why. So I called up the guy and I was like, hey, man, um, I know we haven't started yet, but I want to just do the marketing myself. Could you refund me? And he was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Let me put you on hold. Puts me on hold. A minute goes by, two minutes go by, three minutes go by, and now I just hear like beep, 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 and then the phone gets disconnected. Oh, so man. now I'm call back, and my call is not going through. It says this num no, number no longer exists. I call the other two numbers that I have. No one's picking up, and that's when I realized I just got screwed. Um, <laughs> so I called up an attorney, found out that my money was gone, and at this point I had lost pretty much all of our marketing budget, but our sock business did really well. We ended up doing just over $21,000 worth of pre-orders in the first 30 days. Nice. So I was like, okay, this sucks. This sucks. Like there's so many entrepreneurs out there trying to start a business, but then there's people like this that are like trying to hurt entrepreneurs. So that's when I was like, you know, what do I do? So I ended up putting out this class on Udemy. Just, I don't even know what Udemy was at the time. I was just so irritated. And I wrote this, put this class out there on how to launch a business without getting screwed over. <laughs> and I titled it under minority mindset. I didn't know why. I just always felt that I had this minority mindset where I thought different than the majority of people. And so I put it out there, not really thinking much. And 
there were so many people that enrolled in this course and that really liked it. And they were like, dude, can you please get on social media? Because your content is really good. And I was like, okay, I'm running a sock business, but I'll, I'll start a Minority Mindset Instagram page. So I started this Instagram page called Minority Mindset of the whole concept of just thinking differently than the majority of people. So this meant starting a business, if that's what your passion was, following your dreams, smart, managing your money smartly. And I just started putting random pieces of content that came to my mind on Instagram. I didn't really think much of it because I didn't know much of this like online digital space. I just thought I was selling products, selling socks. And then slowly, people on Instagram were like, hey, Jaspreet, start a podcast, start a blog. And I didn't know what podcast was at the time. So again, I'll show you how naive I was. So I was like, uh, no, I'm not going to start a podcast and blog. I'm not very good at writing, so no, can't do a blog. But I'll start a YouTube channel. I knew what YouTube was, and I liked talking, and I, and I think I was good at talking. So I was like, I'll start a YouTube channel. So I started making videos about money management and investing and launching a business just from my own experience, things that I wish somebody would have told me when I was getting started. At this point, I kind of hit this crossroads where like, okay, this sock business is cool. It's making money, but our patent got denied. Like our water resistant technology that we had, the patent was denied. So we'd have to go all into just building a sock brand, but I'm not too passionate about socks. Like it's cool. <laughs> I'm making money, but at the end of the day, it sucks, right? I learned my lesson with the entertainment business where your, you know, your passion, your interest really matters. Minority mindset, I'm not making much money. I'm not actually making any money, but it's fun and it's cool. And I actually really love talking about money management and entrepreneurship and following your dreams and the whole idea of thinking different than the majority of people. So I decided to go all in with minority mindset. And now we are a full financial news and education company. And we publish a daily financial newsletter. We have articles published on our website every single day related to the financial news and financial education. And then on YouTube, we publish videos related to financial news and financial education. Nice, dude. Well, hey, hey, we want to ask you more about Minority Mindset and kind of what you're up to right now and how things are going on that front. And also just kind of, you know, what your philosophy is behind Minority Mindset. So we'll get to some of those questions right after this break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 
25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Joe, we are back from the break talking with Jaspreet Singh about entrepreneurship. And, you know, Jaspreet, you're sharing about minority mindset. On your website, you say that it's, it's not the way you look. It's the way you think. And if you keep doing what the majority of people do, you're going to end up like the majority of people. So what do you think uh, are the biggest financial mistakes that the majority of our generation is currently making? Well, it comes down to a few things. Money management is actually very simple at a very broad level. I call it the three keys of money. You got to spend less than what you make. You got to work on earning more money and you need to invest like crazy. And so if somebody is bad with their money, it's revolving one of those three keys. Either you're spending too much money, you're not earning enough money, or you're not investing enough money. And I think for the majority of Americans, it comes down to the very first thing. We like nice things in America. Uh, I kind of make a joke. So 
My family is from India. In India, people make a dollar to spend 20 cents. It's a saving heavy culture. Mm-hmm. So people save, 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 save in India. And they're extreme savers. In America, people spend, 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 spend. In America, people make $1 to spend $2. So it's a different kind of ideology where in America, we think, okay, let me get this credit card. Let me get this line of credit. Let me get this loan. Let me go buy a bunch of nice things. Let me go buy some nice clothes, a, you know, a nice car. So we want nice things, which nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to be able to afford the things that you buy. I just made a video on 0% APR financing. What happens is the majority of people hear, oh, 0% APR, and they start buying a bunch of nice things that they cannot afford right now, and they start spending, 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 and then all next thing you know, you own a bunch of nice things that you can't afford, that you cannot afford to make the payments on, and that 0% APR teaser rate goes away, and now you're paying 22% interest on your sofa. <laughs> Yeah, that's a not a good recipe for <laughs> any sort of solid financial habits or building wealth for the long term, right? And, and a, another part of that too, Jasper, something that I love that you focus on so much in what you're doing is mindset, right? You, you know, you just mentioned the three keys that that are really, I agree, those are like the three biggest things to understanding personal finance. But mindset's huge too, and, and your mission is actually to help people think differently. So, what, in your opinion, are the major mental stumbling blocks between us and our ability to make more? financial or entrepreneurial progress. So we stop ourselves with the things that we say. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, I can't be successful like them. Success is for them. I can't be rich like them. I can't do that. You know, I I have friends who think the same thing. They think, oh, you know, I've spent 10 years studying to be a doctor or an engineer, and I've worked all this time as a doctor or an engineer. I can't change my career path now. I can't do something else. I'm so committed to this. And you get into this like slippery slope where, well, if you don't do it now, you're going to regret it even more in five years. You're going to regret it even more in 10 years. So you first have to tell yourself that, look, time is on your side. At the end of the day, time is going to go, right? Because like, it's, it's time is going to pass whether you do something or not. So now it's what do you want to do with your time? And this is where we have to kind of get over the hump of thinking that we can't do something or that we're not able to do something because, you know, there's really no limit to what we can do in life. We we create our own limits and it's really hard to like see that until you break through the ceiling that we have created for ourselves. You know, I, I look at some of the most successful people in the world. You look at Oprah, Steve Harvey, Steve Jobs, everybody that became very successful. The reason they became successful is not because they listened to what everybody told them. The reason they became successful is because they didn't listen to what everybody told them and they did what they wanted to do and they were crazy enough to believe in themselves. You don't have to be you know, a multi-billionaire to become successful, but if you really want to do something, it's creating that belief that, okay, whatever I want to do, I can do, but I just have to take the steps necessary to make it happen. And one thing that makes it a little bit easier is if you understand money, because if you are financially stable, it's a whole lot easier to go out and follow your dreams and do something else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're talking about passion here, you know, and you hinted at this a little bit there earlier, how you're doing something now that you are passionate about, and how that can be just a major part of our success when it comes to our our, our occupations. You talked about your willingness as well to forego sleep, (laughs) and to work like 16 hour days in order to build something (laughs) great. So do you think that, you know, that type of sacrifice, it's always necessary for entrepreneurs who are trying to, to build something great? So I'm not going to speak for other people. I'm going to speak for myself because yeah, yeah, my <laughs> mind on this has, has kind of wavered. When I was starting off in entrepreneurship, I didn't sleep much. I was working around the clock. And I mean, like, 
I probably slept like four hours a day was considered a good night. So I was working as much as possible and I didn't know anything else. I was like, okay, you know, the least I can do is hustle because my parents are immigrants in this country and I saw how hard my parents had to work because my dad always raised me with this no excuses mindset because when I was young, my dad always told me that there's no such thing as a sick day because if you're sick, you're not going to work. If you're not going to work, you're not getting paid. If you don't get paid, you don't eat. So if you're sick, you got to go to work. Like it's just not something you do. You don't take days off. So that's how I was raised. And, you know, I'm starting my business and I kept that same mentality where you don't, you don't take days off and it depends on the person. And for me, it worked because I had that drive and I had that ability to grind and I could work, you know, day after day after day. And it would be hard because like, I'll tell you in college, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, I was, you know, in class all the time studying. I took a lot of hard classes. I was a cram in my classes because I wanted to get all the pre-med stuff done. Thursday night, we'd have college night. So I'd be uh, getting at the venue by like 8 p.m. The party starts at 10. Party gets done at 2. After 2, you got 2 in the morning we're talking about now. 2 oh, in yeah. the morning, you got to <laughs> take everything down. You're not home until, what, 3, 4 in the morning. Now, Ouch. Friday, class again. And then Friday night is maybe another party. We do the same thing again. And then Saturday, so now we're, I worked in the wedding business as well. So Saturday morning, we'd be up at like six in the morning. So if I went to bed at three, four, I'd be up by six because now I got to go set up at a wedding and I'd be at this wedding from 6 a.m. until midnight. After midnight, you got to tear it down. So from midnight to one or two, again, tear down, two in the morning, get home on Sunday, go to sleep, get back to homework and start it up the next week. So that was that was my routine. And even building minority mindset, I started minority mindset when I was in law school. So same thing, work, school all day, and then minority mindset. And then I even, I was never used to the camera, so I took acting classes in the evening. So law school, minority mindset, five watt, the sock business I was doing, and acting class in the evening, nighttime. And so I wasn't sleeping much. It was just something that I had to do. Then when I finished law school, I was like, okay, I need to take a break now because I have been going on full speed for years. So I started sleeping eight, nine hours a night. And I got a little complacent. I was like, man, hmm. this is this is weird. So that's when I started to look at myself. I was like, you know, what is it that you need? Because everybody's different. This is what I started to learn is that some people are okay on six hours of sleep. Other people need eight hours of sleep. You got to know yourself. I don't perform as well as I do when I get a, you know, kind of that middle round of sleep. I don't like sleeping four hours a night anymore. I'm going to be honest. My <laughs> friends kind of joke around I about this because they're like, man, yeah. just because you're sleeping so much. I can't do that anymore. Everybody's different. It's everybody performs at different levels and you got to find what the level is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that's great stuff. Hey, hey just for you, we want to talk more about specifically starting the YouTube channel uh, of Minority Mindset, how that's taken off and become so popular. And YouTube is kind of this thing that, that feels a bit more attainable to a lot of folks these days, but you've actually done it and you've built something big. So we want to talk to you more about how you did that and kind of what lessons our listeners can take from your journey. And we'll get to some of those right after the break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. 
And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money 
Joel, again, we are back from the break. We're talking here with Jaspreet Singh. And let's talk now a little bit about YouTube, Jaspreet. Uh, this is an area that Joel and I, like, we've got little experience in. Or uh, none. <laughs> <laughs> except for just like watching YouTube videos. But, uh, you know, the startup costs are obviously less expensive than a traditional business or even real estate, unless you find an $8,000 deal like you did. <laughs> but it seems that the journey to profitability, it takes maybe a little bit more time when it comes to YouTube. You know, you talked about how maybe slowly over time, the, you know, the ad revenue came in. But, you know, tell us about what that journey looked like overall to build a YouTube channel. And specifically too, like, why did you choose YouTube and videos? You know, like you mentioned earlier that it, it seemed like you enjoy talking. Is that why uh, YouTube videos felt like a just kind of a natural extension of maybe a way to communicate your message? Yeah. So let's start with that. Why did I pick YouTube? The options for me were YouTube or my blog. I went YouTube because one, I didn't, I wasn't a good writer. I'm not a good writer. I'm not the best English person. English was my second language. So I went with YouTube for that. And you know, I'm very glad that I did because it fits my personality better. Mm. Now let's talk about YouTube as a business. I do not recommend anybody start a YouTube channel with the goal of making money, okay? YouTube (laughs) is a great platform and you can make a ton of money on YouTube. But if you go into YouTube with the mindset of, okay, I want to make videos so I can make money, you are going to be very disappointed because (laughs) it is not as easy as a lot of people make it seem. It took me about a year and a half to get my first ad revenue check from YouTube. And so, again, you know, the first year, nobody's watching you. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody's commenting or leaving a thumbs up. And so the first year and a half, (laughs) you know, was that real growth phase. And that's when I got my first check from YouTube. And for the first year and a half, I made like $2,400 in Mm. YouTube ad revenue. Like $2,500, but I'm pretty sure it was under $2,500. Yeah. You know, I'm an, and I'm an attorney, right? So I can make a lot more money billing hourly <laughs> than I could um, making YouTube videos. But for me, it wasn't. I, I wasn't doing YouTube because I, I I wanted to really build a business. For me, at this point, I was like, you know, I was still doing the sock business at the same time too. So I was just doing YouTube because I figured I want to put this information out there. I had this knowledge and stuff that I wanted to just put out there because I wanted to help someone else out. And it wasn't until like, I think we were at like 150,000 YouTube subscribers, something in that range where I was like, you know, maybe I should go YouTube instead of the sock business. And there's a few ways you can make money on YouTube. One is just being a creator. So just being entertaining and getting views and doing, getting advertising money. The second way is more of a business perspective where, you know, every business at the end of the day, the way it works is you have a product that you sell and you have customers that buy your product. So this could be socks, this can be your financial services, that can be your consulting, this can be supplements that you're selling. It doesn't matter, right? At the end of the day, every business is the same. You need customers and you need a product. YouTube is a way for you to get in front of people. And people will watch you on YouTube if you are entertaining, right? Or if, if, you, if you give people education, if you, if you give somebody some sort of value, they will watch you on YouTube. It takes a while, but they will watch you. And now what you can do here is you can market your services. So if you are, you know, let's say you sell life insurance, for example, you sell life insurance, you can put out information regarding life insurance on YouTube and say at the end of the video, hey, if you are interested in getting your own life insurance policy, contact me at my office. My number is below because YouTube is is weird or not weird. It's amazing because it's a mix of a social media platform and a search engine, right? Like Google is a search engine. It's hard to go viral on Google. Instagram is a social media platform. You can go viral on Instagram, but people don't go to Instagram to search 
how do I learn about life insurance, <laughs> right? So YouTube is that cool blend where you can go to YouTube. People are searching um, life insurance. People are searching how do I lose weight. People are searching how do I cook cookies or what do you bake cookies. <laughs> um, and, and so you can go there to YouTube and people are going there to search things. And so now if you are entertaining, you make this stuff fun, which is the hard part. If you can make this stuff fun and give people value, then you will be seen on YouTube eventually and then people will watch you and then that's where you could either you can market your services or if you're an actor just make entertaining videos and if people watch it then you'll get paid more money for advertising because you have more people watching your videos. You're going to have way more people watching a video of you going down the street and like throwing whipped cream on people's faces than you will if you're talking about life insurance, right? <laughs> but people get compensated in different ways. I think certainly like that's probably the biggest hurdle when it comes to talking about money and personal finances, right? The, the biggest hurdle is making it not boring. And, and <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing that sets you apart just briefly. Yeah. Would you agree that, that essentially, you know, there are tons of people giving financial advice, giving solid financial advice on YouTube, but their views are dwarfed by yours. And I think in large part, that's because you bring the energy and you make it interesting and fun. Do you think that's what sets you apart? Yeah, I mean, you know, first off, we're blessed with our audience is amazing. Uh, our audience is, is very loyal and they love our content. And I think part of that is, one, because they're awesome. Secondly, is because I try not to keep the content boring. And the reason is because I look at myself, if I was the one watching these videos, I would be so bored with somebody just standing there teaching you about the time value of money through like a textbook style lecture. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to sit in school, like feel like I'm in school <laughs> when I'm watching YouTube. I want to feel like I'm having fun and learning at the same time. So that's one of the goals that I try to do with YouTube is try to make it entertaining, try to make it fun, but it's got to be a balance. And that's something that, you know, I try to figure out myself too is how much do we want to be on the entertaining side? But, you know, because I'm not a comedian, I'm not a stand-up comedian, and we want to make sure that we're still delivering the financial education but making it kind of that right amount of fun. And I don't know what the right amount is. You know, we always change it too. You know, sometimes we're a lot funnier. Sometimes we're a lot more serious. So it's, it's finding that balance for you and really getting your personality out, right? I'm a sarcastic person. I make jokes. I make fun of people. That's who I am. So that's how I talk on camera. Other people are more serious. And, you know, there are some people who make very good serious videos. So you kind of have to find that balance for you. Well, Jasper, so for someone who is looking to maybe start their own YouTube channel, you know, again, you mentioned to, to don't set out to, to make this, uh, you know, a full on business. Uh, maybe that would be sort of a like a side benefit. Instantly profitable or anything. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be an instant thing. But but what advice do you have for someone out there who is looking to start their own YouTube channel? You know, like, do you have some specific tips uh, to give folks or maybe just even some practical steps that they can kind of follow as they start thinking through what that should look like for them? Absolutely. So the first thing you want to do is don't don't start spending money on a bunch of things. I think there's this big <laughs> rabbit hole that people think, okay, I need lighting, I need a camera, I need softwares, I need audio equipment. When I first started making videos, my setup was very, very, very cheap. I had a white wall and I took my cell phone and I put it on a tripod. The tripod I got from Amazon, I think it was like 25 bucks. That was the only thing that I had. I didn't have any fancy like backdrop. I had no video editing software. I had a free software on my computer. I had no audio equipment. I literally just recorded videos in front of my cell phone. So you can start and you should start, especially if you are trying to you know, get into entrepreneurship or trying to figure out how you can start from a low cost. I would not recommend you go out and spend more than let's say $100 or $200 on getting started. So keep your costs low because people are going to, 
you know, your backdrop or your lighting is not going to be the reason why people watch you. Right. People are going to watch you for you and your content. Once people start watching you, then yeah, invest in your content so it's a more enjoyable experience. But people are going to watch you for more than just what your backdrop or your lighting or your editing looks like. Keep your startup costs low. Second is know your niche. Whatever it is, whether it be finance or fitness or health or whatever it is, know what it is that you want to talk about and be confident in what you talk about. There's a lot of people on YouTube that they say things and they're scared to they're scared that they're going to make somebody feel bad. But no matter what you say, somebody's going to feel bad. It's just the reality of things. I mean, I can say, hey, guys, make sure you're smart with your money. And I'm going to get hate comments saying, life is not about money. There's more to life than money. What do you mean be smart with your money? Why are you being, you know, like people are going to get mad. So say whatever it is you have to say. There's going to be haters be out there. Trolls yeah. and haters. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, just understand that going in. And it, it is hard. Like, it's very easy for someone to say, oh, yeah, trolls are not going to affect me. Haters not going to affect me. But when you start to actually put up videos and you start to see a lot of these people saying, wow, why is your nose that shape? Yo, why are you looking like this? What do you, you know, it, eventually you're kind of like, oh, is this, you know, you kind of go through that phase. Everybody goes through where it's like, this is weird. Why, why is all this happening? I'm just trying to help people. Why are people hating so much? So, Understand that that's going to happen, and third, have fun with it. You know, it's 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 not going to be an overnight thing. Like YouTube is a slow game. Everybody has a different speed. Some people their channels blow up in four weeks. Other people takes four years. I don't know how long it's going to take you, and you you can't predict that either. You know, you can learn. You can take YouTube classes. You can learn about SEO. You can learn about how to make content more engaging. You can try to take acting classes. I recommend trying to do everything because you don't know what's going to work for you and just Hmm. be consistent. At the end of the day, YouTube doesn't want to make a video viral for just a channel and puts out one video sporadically. Create it like a a TV show almost. Like if you're going to put out videos once a week, then decide, okay, I'm going to put a video out every Thursday at, you know, seven in the morning or whatever time it is. Just be consistent that way. YouTube kind of sees that you're okay. This person is treating this seriously and they're consistently putting out content, and your fans are going to appreciate that too because they're going to know all right, this person's putting out a video every Thursday at seven in the morning, so I need to come back at Thursday. I mean, you're, you're talking about being consistent, basically putting it on a schedule, and it, it takes that necessarily. It doesn't take spending a ton of money up front, potentially going broke <laughs> in order to, to pursue this hobby. Jesper, you mentioned acting classes as well. Like you mentioned this earlier uh, in, on the episode. Like, at what point did you get to before you started taking those acting classes to get more comfortable in, in front of the camera? I don't think I hit 10,000 subscribers, or maybe I was right around the 10,000 subscriber mark. So it was pretty early on. I, I was starting to have fun with it. But I just realized that I was really bad on camera because I had never had any experience on this. I was a really awkward standing there and talking. So I didn't know what to do. And I happened to find an acting class like not too far away. So I just enrolled in that and I took it uh, because, I, you know, I was I've, I think of I'm good at not being scared of going out of my comfort zone and doing weird things. So I was like, you know, let me try this because I was kind of getting I don't want to be stuck in that whole law school mentality because everybody in law school is like okay study 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 become an attorney i wanted to have that Mm. kind of creative outlet too where i can meet some other people doing other things so that kind of pushed me as well to go into that acting class 
Hey, Jasper, one of the things too I'm impressed, man, with you about is is I feel like th- taking care of your community is such an important thing for you. It's part of your ethos. And I think part of that is locally where you live, but part of that too is taking care of the community that you've developed on your YouTube channel, the Minority Mindset viewers. But like, yeah, what does that mean to you, that personal mission to take care of your community? And why is that kind of like a, a huge part of the fuel for your creative fire? On a personal level, I'm a member of the Sikh religion, and one of the fundamental tenets of our religion is seva. Seva literally means selfless service. And so I've always kind of had that belief that, okay, the more you have, the more you can do. And so on a personal level, me and a few of my buddies, we started a community service organization here, and we do a lot of stuff in the area. We provide food to the homeless. We provide hygiene kits we do a lot of things with kids with disabilities we provide mentorship to kids and kind of as like a funny or not funny but a, a little aside when i was starting minority mindset i was like you know we're doing a lot of stuff for homeless people but we don't actually know what homeless people are going through so me and a few buddies we decided to go homeless for four oh, wow. days so you know we, we lived out in detroit for a few days just trying to see what it was like to see what people go through and that was really yeah, eye-opening that. just to see, okay, you know, the struggles that people go through. And so it's always been something that has been important to me. So now going to the business side from Minority Mindset, one of the things that we did was I used to teach every week in uh, Detroit Public Schools. Uh, I used to go once a week and I would talk about money management, entrepreneurship, and just kind of give just general talks to the kids about life because it, it was really lacking. And one of the things that was really shocking to me was I, I did a little survey. I asked, you know, how many kids, how many of you guys have a job? And almost every kid raised their hand. And then I asked, how many of you guys have a bank account? And very hmm. few raised their hand. Most of the kids were making money. And then they were going to the gas station or the liquor store and they were cashing their checks. So they were going to pay the liquor store owner 1% to 10% of their check just to get the cash for their check, for their work that they did. And then on the way out, they were going to buy chips and they were going to buy pop and they were going to buy all of these things. And, ha- and by the time they were out the door, half yeah. of their check is already gone. And so that's when I was like, you know, there's, there's a real need for financial education in schools. And I've always known that because I never grew up learning about money. None of my friends grew up learning about money. And just, just seeing this now as a kind of a little bit more educated person and understanding money more. And at this point, I started Minority Mindset. I was like, you know, I should do something about this. So I assembled a team of teachers and we created a full K through 12 financial education curriculum for kids where we teach teachers how to teach money because that's the first thing is teachers need to know what to teach and how to teach and then second we give teachers assignments homework group activities and it's fun like we make we make like learning about money fun through like fun activities kind of like how we talk about things on youtube and so we we give this away for free to teachers, parents, principals, anybody who wants to spread financial education in their community. And it has been downloaded tens of thousands of times. So it's one of our goals is to give financial education, get it out there. And that's one of the things that we did as a brand to help spread this financial awareness is to give financial education to schools because you know some teachers started teaching showing our videos in class but it's not the same as just having a full curriculum for someone in fifth grade versus someone in 11th grade and so that's right. why we put that together yeah, there's different lessons that you know kids at different ages can learn and can even comprehend right yeah uh, i love that that's part of your mission there jaspreet uh, man thanks so much for for taking the time to talk with us this has been a ton of fun uh where can our listeners learn more about you 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. So you can learn more about our what we do, read our blogs, read our articles at our website, theminoritymindset.com. And then, of course, you can check out our videos at YouTube, The Minority Mindset. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, well, we hope everybody out there listening to this goes out and checks them out because they're entertaining, they're super helpful, and they're, uh, I mean, dude, you're just crushing it. You're crushing it. So I really enjoyed this conversation, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Nice. Thanks again, Jaspreet. Joel, man, what an awesome conversation we just had about all things entrepreneurial, uh, especially YouTube as well. It's not something we've discussed before, so I'm glad we were able to kind of hear his thoughts on how viable that is as a business plan, you know, like going in and setting up a channel. It's just not as easy as he makes it look. You right. Know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, man, you got next YouTube star in the making, dude. Oh, follow follow Jaspreet's recipe. You're there. Don't think so. <laughs> uh, but, you know, on that note, that was my big takeaway. I really liked how he stressed to not not go in and spend a ton of money up front. I liked how he, he mentioned, like, do not sink a ton of money into gear. Because a lot of times, like, and I can be tempted in this direction, but I can kind of be obsessed with the gear and the technicalities and just all the things that you need to have in order for something to be legit, quote unquote, legit. But it's not necessary. You know, if you have a good message, you don't need all those things. You need to prove that you need those things. And then you can start to justify some of those expenses. And maybe too, the part of the reason I'm saying this is because it reminds me of us. <laughs> when we started out, we started with the exact same gear that we are currently recording on, uh, which are super basic microphones that you see at any public event. You know, it's just like the standard microphone. And there's certainly things that we've added to our arsenal to make sure that we sound better. But we didn't go out and spend a ton of money. So uh, this, this feels like medicine that I know we can take because we have already taken it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I think too, what he said about it needing to be a labor of love and specifically in something that you're going to dedicate this much time to without a return anywhere on the near-term horizon, it has to be. It has to be something you actually enjoy and want to do just for the sake of doing it. And if you make money eventually, uh, there are ways to, to do it, but you can't go into it with that mindset. And I thought that was good advice too. But I think my actual biggest takeaway was at one point when Jasper was talking about how much sleep he needed, and he said, like, we're all different. Find, find the harmony in your life and, and working 16 hour days in order to get somewhere. Sometimes that's like a young person's game. If you're in your early 20s, you can do that and you can hustle super hard in order to make something happen. You know, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I don't want to work 16 hour days. I don't want to sleep for just four hours. Right. I'm just going to flat out say it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do that. And he, it sounds like he can't do that anymore either. But depending on your life stage and where you're at, finding that harmony and that balance wherever you are, I think that's great advice too. And, and just hearing someone else's playbook and then trying to imitate that exactly is, is almost never a good way to go. It's, uh, you got to filter that information and figure out how what they've done and the success they've had and the moves they've made, how those can apply to you in your situation, right? It's not always a one-for-one. One. It's not like a coach draws up a play on a whiteboard and you follow it to a T. Having that filter, finding that advice that's going to matter the most to you and benefit you the most and then applying it in a way that works for your situation is crucial. Yeah, and I think our points are more related maybe than we, than we realize because instead of spending a lot of money up front, when, especially when you're younger, right? When you're fresh out of school or maybe you didn't even go to school, but you have a lot of time typically on hand and you don't typically have a lot of money. And so, it, like, honestly, I, I really love how he went about things because I think that is a way that can be replicated by a lot of other folks. It doesn't have to be, but certainly I think when you're younger and you have fewer responsibilities, you have a little more time. So that passion and that time that goes into it can kind of make up for the lack of funding that you might have. Have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. But so this episode, you and I, we enjoyed a bright day coming, which is an IPA by three taverns, and they're based here in Atlanta. So, what were your thoughts on this beer, man? 
Yeah, man, this was like a highly approachable IPA that I think a lot of people could really get into. It was light. It had some juicy notes. It was super drinkable and tasty at the same time. Uh, I haven't had a beer from Three Taverns in a minute, and I was really excited to see this on the store shelves, that they're creating a really, really delicious IPA in a six-pack format that I feel like I could drink in a finer setting, like creating a podcast, but also I could have... A like, finer setting. <laughs> please. <laughs> but that I also feel like I could have like after mowing the lawn, maybe, or something like that. Uh, I'm with you, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say this is a New England-style IPA, but with, like you said, it's, it is lighter, and it's almost tingly. Like, like this tastes really fresh and it's one of the benefits of drinking an IPA that's local to wherever you live. It's almost like a pale ale because it is lighter. Uh, it almost drinks like Pseudo Sue, which is a fantastic pale ale from Toppling Goliath. So if you happen to be in the Atlanta area or coming through, we'd recommend that beer if, uh, if you like Pseudo Sue. Oh, and I wanted to mention too, they've got a second location getting ready to open up. That's pretty close to where you and I live. Biking distance. Yeah, exactly, which is fantastic. I'm looking forward to being able to you know, enjoy more of their beers. And specifically, it's going to be called the Imaginarium. And that's because they're going to be trying out uh, just kind of weird specialty experimental beers there. So I'm looking forward to biking over there with you, man, and, and trying all the weird beers that we can afford. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'm excited about that, too. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I feel like Just Breet brought some really great stuff to this conversation. We'll link to his website, his YouTube channel in our show notes. You can find those up on our site at howtomoney.com. And if you enjoy this interview and the other episodes that we've been creating, we would love for you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review over there. It always helps out the show and it really helps others to find the show who don't know about it yet. And so we thank you in advance for that. So Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, man. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal, with more entrepreneurs, more live events, 
and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.